0: Hi, hey, This is Rebecca Buchanan, host of New Books Network, New Books and Popular Culture. And today I'm here with Mitzi Soretto, who is the author of this series, The Best New True Crime Stories. And we are going to talk about the sixth book in that series, Unsolved Crimes and Mysteries. Mitzi, thanks for being here with me today.
1: Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm glad you found me.
0: <laughs> so before we get into this book, um, this is the sixth book, like I mentioned, in a series. So could you just kind of sort of situate us in how you started to collect these stories and how this series came to be and, and maybe a little bit about the other books in the series?
1: Sure. Um, well, I started, um, I think it's probably be, be about two and a half years ago now, Um uh, it uh, it all sort of came about randomly. Uh, I've edited many anthologies in the past in different you know, fiction and nonfiction genres, and uh, it ended up being sort of a chance uh, uh, conversation with a former publisher of mine who'd gone to a new house. Um, and um, it ended up where um, I proposed some idea about doing a series of true crime books. Um, I'll, I'll give you the chronology of, of each one and... Bring it up to the current one that we're talking about. Um, the first one, they're all the best new true crime stories. That's the series name. Uh, the first one was serial killers. Uh, the second one was small towns. The third one was well mannered crooks, rogues, and criminals. The fourth one was crimes of passion, obsession, and revenge. The fifth one was partners in crime. And today, the sixth one we're talking about is unsolved crimes and mysteries
0: so you have put this together and before we get into kind of some of the the stories in this how did you go about kind of finding the contributors for this and picking um the stories that you did there's I mean there's so much out there so much unsolved mysteries and crime um so how did you go about kind of choosing the ones you wanted to include
1: well um first off i I send out um, I disseminate my call call for submissions very widely uh, for instance there's uh, there's a lot of websites that um, are interested in you know posting those things uh, I have a mailing list of writers that just gets longer and longer and longer <laughs> as as each year progresses and so I'll blast it out to them uh, and a lot of things just get uh, as I've said before to people that it just seems interesting how things get bounced around. I mean, I could have something that may have been posted somewhere and I don't and then it gets sort of duplicated and duplicated and duplicated. So I'll be hearing from people, uh, you know, the this call for submissions has all my specs, you know, what I'm looking for, um, you know, original new content, et cetera, et cetera. And so um I'll ask people in the first instance to uh just give me a brief pitch. Um, you know, maybe a couple of sentences really on on a particular case that they might like to cover and what they're going to offer to that particular case. Um, For instance, you know, some of these uh, true crime stories, uh, you know, a lot of true crime stories are really well known. So if someone wants to pitch something that is very familiar to a lot of people, uh, I'll emphasize to them that, you know, you need to kind of Give it a fresh spin uh some some new viewpoint offer in the story um, or if you have a personal connection even better so uh so they'll send me their, they'll 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 give me their pitch um I'll say whether or not it sounds like it's interesting to me uh that's not an acceptance by any means. it's just saying, hey, you've got my attention." I'd like to see it if you'd like to write it. Uh, so that's what happens. And then um, they'll start sending me their finished material. And I start looking at it and seeing what works, what doesn't work, how things fit within the bigger scope of the book. Um and uh, we go from there. Uh, Sometimes maybe I need to edit more heavily with someone or we go back and forth on some, perhaps some avenues that they could explore a little bit more. Um, And so, um, you know, it all comes out at the end. After everybody's hard work, we finally get a finished product, so
0: to speak. So in this collection, I think there are fifteen different stories, right? Um, I think it's fifteen. Yeah. If I'm like, if I'm counting correctly, yes. Yeah, so we have fifteen. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll take your word, or I'll have okay. to start counting. We'll, we'll we'll go with that. There's at least fifteen. How's that? Yeah, yeah. That's sort of the
1: average for each book. Some might be a little more. Some might be maybe one less. You know. And
0: one thing that I want to say that I really loved is that they're not all from the same century even, or same location, right? We've got stories from, um, the United States, but also Canada, um, the UK, uh, stories from the 1800s and 1700s and stories all the way up to the past, like 20 years. Right. So you've got this wide range of stories as well, um, that you bring to us and bring to us in this book.
1: Yeah I mean it's it's really my goal to do something that's really um have, has a good global um appeal and and uh you know really call I won't say call cold. call's actually not a very good word to <laughs> but um um you know takes takes material from you know all over the world um, and different time frames to really mix it up a little bit so that the um, reader is not just sort of getting the same thing you know like the same time frame or the same country all the time. Um, because I mean, we all know crime is not just exclusive to any particular country. And um, so I like to do it as, as globally as I can possibly get it uh, within the confines of, you know, whatever I'm getting in from from writers.
0: Right. And you also, um it, it does not just focus on sort of unsolved murders, which often I think people think about, right, when they think about sort of these crime stories. Um, yeah. Some of them you're also looking at as um, see <laughs> like robberies or different things like that. So can you talk a little bit about that choice, too, to kind of like... <laughs> I don't know if broaden true crime or broaden this idea of unsolved
1: crimes. Well, yeah, it's so true because I mean, we, when we think of true crime, uh, murder is usually the number one thing that comes to mind. And that does seem to be the, the most prevalent um, crime, you know, it's always murder. And so I kind of want to try to get something in the book that's going to offer a little bit of a break in between the murders, so to speak, you know, kind of a breather. So uh, yeah, I, I have a, a really cool heist story in here—the um, Montreal Museum heist. Uh, we've got um, the a mysterious death of an actor. Uh, that's a piece that I wrote actually, which um, it's we're never quite sure if if he was uh, murdered or if it was just some mishap. So there's a that's an unsolved case, and it still is unsolved. Um, we have uh, a kidnapping of a schoolgirl in Rome. Uh, never again never solved uh we have um what else do we have we've we've got a, a a historical piece um about a man who just goes missing uh in 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 traveling somewhere he just he just vanishes and it's sort of um sparked a whole lot of uh mythology behind this story about uh this vanishing man <laughs> um and uh so yeah you know it's it It's just truly, really trying to give some sort of a variety without the same exact, you know, same exact crime per each story, you know, because I think, I think, you know, that
0: would just be a a little bit boring. (laughs) (laughs) Still. Let's talk about I mean, like I said, there's 15 of these. So um, let's talk about a couple of them. And maybe starting with yours, because you wrote it, and you're here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So can you just start tell us a little bit about um, the chapter that you wrote, and that um, sort of unsolved crime and unsolved mystery that you looked into? sure um well my story is called in heaven everything is
1: fine and that is actually the name of a song which uh was used um in the film in which this gentleman uh was in and it was his first um major role um and it's uh i i mention that there is a heavy david lynch connection so that kind of should set it up that everything's <laughs> surreal surrounding David Lynch. So an actor who's been in several of his films and television shows, obviously his death is going to be surreal as well. Um, but the uh, the gentleman's name is Jack Nance, and um, he is probably uh, widely known to people for being in the cult film Eraserhead which is one of those films that once you see it it just sticks with you forever <laughs> um so uh so jack was um uh you know he he was he got a lot of work from david lynch he was uh, he was kept busy um but you know he had his demons in his life he had a a a very bad um drinking problem uh and uh he ended up in rehab at one point so uh that worked for a while until uh when his wife committed suicide, and that sort of set things on a downward spiral that he never quite recovered from but anyways, um he apparently uh was walking to Winchell's donuts. Um, near his apartment in uh, South Pasadena. And if anyone's lived in Southern California, they know Winchell's Donuts quite well. Uh, I was a big fan of them myself and a regular visitor. Uh, so uh, it was like five in the morning on a Sunday and um, he's heading hes heading over to Winchell's and apparently gets in some sort of an altercation with a couple of uh, young guys outside, a couple of Hispanic males, so he said. Um, and he got a bit of a beating and uh later that day he met up with a couple of good friends of his for lunch and they obviously saw that he was looking a bit worse for wear and he told them about what happened that he was heading off to winchell's and uh he uh kind of got a bit mouthy with these guys. I guess he just took offense at their presence and he got mouthy with them and they kind of uh, <laughs> taught him a lesson. So, um, so then he kind of excused himself from lunch and said he wasn't feeling that great and he was going to head home. So uh, one of the, the people that he'd had lunch with the next day just figured he'd stop over and check on him, see how he's doing. And he found him dead on the bathroom floor. So he, um, this started this whole thing about, well, okay, he, he'd apparently been in this fight and he sustained some sort of head injury. And, uh, that looked to be what was, what killed him. He definitely had a head injury. Uh, and that's what the coroner's report report, um, indicated, but the, the odd thing is, uh, no one seemed to be witness, uh, to this altercation. Uh, no one saw a thing, um, which, is peculiar since, you know, you've got the donut places looking right outside. So if something was going on, people should have seen it. Uh, Nothing was picked up on any CCTV. Uh, No one saw anything. So hence the mystery. um, How did Jack Nance actually die?
0: Right. And, and and there's there seems to be a lot of also um, rumor that has floated around about this. And like you said, with David Lynch kind of not being involved, but David Lynch being close with him, um, there's this seems to come up. Um, the story doesn't seem to die either. It seems to come up every so often. Yeah, I
1: mean the whole thing is bizarre. I mean it it, the, it it a lot of strange things were triggered um by this death. For instance, um uh apparently uh, uh one of the actors from uh, the Twin Peaks series which uh, Jack had been in Twin Peaks as well. Um this this actor who was the uh the The backwards speaking man, I think it was. Uh, He went on some rant and said that uh, David Lynch had Jack Nance killed. I mean, it's the like, where did this come from? I mean, they had actually these two men had worked together for twenty five years and they were friends, not just uh, professional colleagues. Uh, So there'd be like, there's no reason on the earth that that um, you know David Lynch would have his his friend and his uh, actor bumped off.
0: So you've got stories like this stories where there is a, you know, and, and who knows if any new evidence or any new information will come up, but this is something that people are still unclear of what happened. Um, one of the things I, one of the um, pieces in here, one of the chapters I really um, appreciated, I maybe that's the best word, is um, in a field outside of Edmonton, um, because it really looks at indigenous women and what was happening um, to indigenous women in Canada um, and in Edmonton and 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 then at the end lists a number of unsolved missing persons cases and unsolved murders of um women i think they're all women throughout this sort of throughout edmonton throughout that area so could you talk a little bit um about that chapter and that piece? sure
1: uh yeah um that, uh, is written by uh one of my can- Canadian contributors Janelle Camo and um she lived in Edmonton for some time so she was you know quite aware of this and so uh she just got to researching um and tracing all this uh you know historically uh, over decades of these women uh, all of whom were indigenous or mixed Indi- uh you know indigenous uh, white and um these women would just, uh, disappear. Uh, some were found murdered, uh, some were found murdered in particularly horrendous ways. Um, and, uh, the, these were women, uh, who, uh, were also, they were also sex workers, uh, and some of them had substance abuse problems. So when you combine all these ingredients, um, there just did not seem to be much, um, incentive to, uh, you know, look into these cases. Um, I mean, she chronicles some pretty, pretty awful uh, police work in some instances. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy going and investigating crimes when there is no particular, uh, you know, uh, suspect, you know, when, when it's just like a body is dumped or somebody's missing and you have no idea where to start. So, I mean, granted, that's understandable. But I mean, there were things where, sometimes the police didn't even want to take a report um perhaps they just you know were dismissive because of the fact that these women were sex workers or they were known uh for having drug issues and um so i mean it's it's it makes you kind of question if, if um, there were several people at work doing these killings or if they might have been related to one particular person, like a serial killer, because that's, you know, that has happened in the past Um but uh it it's it's just sad i mean you know she she um uh discusses some um, some of these women uh you know in more detail you know some of these women were you know they they were mothers they had young children uh the fact that they would just disappear like that um was not normal for them and family members would even say look you know my daughter wouldn't just take off uh, you know she's got a kid she's you know trying to get her life together uh, so it's just an, it's a real tragedy and this is an issue that is um, has been going on in Canada and it's also going on in the United States as well um, and and there is getting more attention uh, more attention is being paid to this. Um, but I think a lot of people still are completely unaware of just how bad this is. And when you look at the percentage of um, women murdered, for instance, in Canada, and then you look at the percent of indigenous women, that it skews it way, way out of bounds. And it it's just makes no sense that it's not being looked at much more deeply than it should be, than it, than it is, rather
0: yes and i really appreciate that that has sort of brought this to light and and you talked about um these connections that some of the people have connections with the stories whether they've lived there whether they might be related to someone in it and and so there's another chapter when Boston turns its back, um, by Pamela Costello, which kind of talks about the same thing, um, an incident or two incidents in Boston that happened. Um, and she talks about as being from Boston, how they probably weren't given the attention that they deserve. So could you talk a little bit about that chapter too?
1: Yeah I I found a parallel with that as well um uh in this in this story when boston turns Us back it's about a swedish au pair um uh, who uh comes over uh to look after uh, uh the children of a a well to do family um and she is um found, well, half of her is found, I believe it was. She there, She was apparently cut in half and tossed into a dumpster. And uh, it's, the story really, really uh, hits hard because uh, Pamela, the writer who was actually a Boston girl as well, um, keeps going on and on about the fact that, well, you know, she wasn't one of our own uh it just seemed like you know the concern wasn't there the attention wasn't there and uh you know she was this was a foreigner who came over to boston um and uh she ended up murdered just uh last seen uh out for a night on the town uh as all young people, you know, as Pamela says in the story, everybody does this on the Saturday night or whatever, they all go out to the specific area where the clubs are and the bars and you know, she just, the all pair was just like everyone else was but um, when, when she was found murdered there just did not seem to be the amount of, of outrage and constant, uh, you know, getting her face out there. Can you find, you know, does anybody know about this girl? Does anyone know what happened did anyone see anything um and so uh again it's that sort of the outsider thing um we're just not that bothered about you you're not one of ours kind of um attitude
0: Right. And and you mentioned, too, so so you have these kind of looking at how how different people or or different cases and, and people treat different cases. So you have that. Um, you also mentioned that some of these are not necessarily murders um, there. You mentioned the art thieves, but you also have this really I thought it was really fascinating. The chapter on Austria's most wanted um, where you have this a public this, you know, person in Austria. Who uh, spends a lot of time planning his escape from, from prison and custody? So, can you talk a little bit about that chapter, too? Sure. Uh, that story is called
1: Austria's Most Wanted 27 Years in Counting. And that's by Iris Reinbacher, who um, is a, uh, I, I, she's currently living in Japan. Um, and so, uh, this is about uh, a, a, a gentleman who. Uh, is actually a Hungarian and he had a, a bar in, uh, in Austria, in, uh, a, I, f- I can't recall the, the city name offhand. Um, uh, anyway, so it was one of the, it was, it was a bar where, you know, you would maybe have ladies of the evening, uh, frequent and that sort of thing. But, um, he just, you know, was, it was just a business for him because he was mostly interested in, in, uh, uh, motocross racing, you know, motorcycles and, uh, really kind of um positioning himself professionally in that you know as a motorcycle racer so it was sort of a way to fund that love of his so um one of the women who frequented his his establishment who was also um a, a sex worker is um she's found um murdered and so uh it seems as if, it seemed as if all fingers pointed toward uh Tibor was his name uh, as the guilty party um, I mean everybody kind of chimed in and they were just really really trying to uh, railroad him in as the as the culprit here so consequently uh through things such as sloppy police work and questionable police work and perhaps even some corruption uh he's uh convicted and he's imprisoned. And uh, there he is, you know, kind of going along in prison year after year. Um, and it uh, ended up where he was um, going to uh, attend university. Um, and because he was such an exemplary prisoner, uh, they allowed him to actually physically go to lectures and do his exams at the university and uh I guess that was his, you know, he, he figured, well, okay, I'm locked up and I didn't do this crime. I didn't murder that woman. And so he uh, orchestrates it through uh, contacts of his that uh, he's going to escape. So uh, he was, um, he, he, that's what, what happened. It was like, uh, he just, no one believed he would have done this. The guards that he had, the prison guards who were with him at university were kind of really stunned that he did that. Um, so he, he apparently got it all organized and there was a motorcycle waiting for him. He got on this motorbike and he just zoomed away from there, never to be seen again. Um, so as as the years progressed, um, they found, you know, information was forthcoming about things that were just uh, highly questionable. Uh, You know, one of the police officers being involved with someone that uh, just, just the whole thing smacks of a setup, essentially. Um, And although there was an option for him to return uh, to, you know, for another trial, um, he never took up that option, which You know what? I can't say I blame him. I think I would have stayed underground, too. Uh, So all this mythology cropped up about where he might be. Has he been seen? Um, But it's an it's an incredible story. And it's also it's 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 an alarming story uh, of how someone really it's apparently just got set up for a crime that he didn't commit and and a terrible crime
0: hmm. Yes. And now, I mean, you can go online. like one great thing about this book is, is like some of the stories I knew were familiar with, but others I didn't. And you can go and see the, the pictures and she sort of talks about that there is information out there and you can kind of see what he might look like today. Um. So so it's really um I don't know if fun is the right word, but I appreciated being able to like read these, but then also go and kind of explore a little bit more Um and find out sort of what's out there about some of these um, stories as well.
1: Yeah, well, that's the fun thing. I've had I've had readers tell me the same thing um, that they got really caught up in this particular story, and they just wanted to find out more and and kind of put a face to the people, and you know, uh, uh, just kind of get an idea just to see a bit about where where these things happened, what these people looked like, um, and yeah, I think that's great. I mean, it, it, if a story can get a reader interested enough that they want to learn more, hey, <laughs> that we've done our job. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: And you do have some that have a history of, um, well, some, you know, we have you have a story here that involves uh, crime bosses, right? John Gotti, um, some that you that are. Um, tangential, I guess, to the Black Dahlia murders or like the example that something is like that and, and others that have um, been a part of sort of popular culture and fictionized in different ways. And so that also brings in the audience and gets people really interested in what is happening or, you know, some of these stories as well. Mm mm-hmm. Yeah are there other stories in this collection that you want to sort of highlight that there is something about them that you want to make sure that audiences know or the know that are in here um well you know there's um I, one thing that's i've i've noticed
1: uh, i was actually doing a um a virtual book event uh a few few days ago uh, with Joseph Beth Booksellers in Cincinnati. So I had a couple of contributors on with me, one of whom was Janelle, who wrote the Edmonton piece. And um, we got to the subject that um, there seems to be an overwhelming theme. And I did not intentionally do this when choosing stories and, you know, whatever, but um, in stories where the women are a victim, uh, one just tends to see this Kind of a, a a little a blame thing, kind of overshadowing everything. That somehow you are responsible for your own disappearance or your own murder. That that it was maybe um, uh, because you were out in a nightclub, uh, because you're a sex worker, uh, because you were um, how. Oh, a bohemian type of person uh, a nonconformist. uh it just seems that this theme keeps cropping up when when the women are a victim and um yeah it's it's unfortunate but i mean i just it just seems like it's an inescapable thing um when women are the victim that there is some somehow or other still this um burden that they've in a way, been responsible for what happened to them. And you just don't see that when the men are a victim.
0: Yeah, there's one in here about a young girl in Beverlywood. And they're, of course, looking also at like, was it maybe her sister did something wrong. And so we have to invest, right, this idea that somebody had to have done something quote, unquote, wrong, in order for this to happen. Right? Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean that was to us, that was in the 1960s and I mean just like um uh the 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 um the writer of the story Priscilla Scott Rhodes she's mentioning like uh when they the newspaper headlines they the, you know how they're putting a spin that oh she was a good girl but then maybe they're leaving this sort of dangling thing that oh would we might find out she wasn't a good girl. You know, things like that that just would if you were a man it would it would just never in a million years Happen,
0: <laughs> yes, and I appreciate, and I appreciate too that there is an emphasis in many of these, especially some of the more recent ones, and thinking about what is this, you know, thinking about that there. These are real; these are people they have left behind. Um, in some cases, families who have just been tortured because of right, the families who have fallen apart because of what happened. Even the first um, story in here, 25 years later, this at lesbian double. Murder Still Haunts Me, right, by Lindsay Danis, who kind of talks about, like, what was this like, what was this like for these two women to be, um, you know, kind of outed after they died and what that means for for their families and their history as well. Um, So there's that in here, too, giving this real, um, this other side to some of these stories that we often... we often look at and, um, you know, I- I- in a different light, you know, they give us like they're, they're, these are people and they have sort of a history and a background instead of sensationalizing them.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's giving the, the victim some dimension, not just, uh, you know, just a body with the victim sign on them. I mean these these were real people and and they had real lives and uh sensationalism is something that I definitely run a mile from and that's not something I want in my in my book series. Uh so I'm I'm pretty pleased that uh we've pretty much managed to avoid that because I mean that's one thing with true crime some people who maybe are uh to dismiss it as being uh sensationalizing and um you know, some of it does do that, but it's just not something that I've wanted to do. And I've been really, you know, discouraging anybody from submitting any kind of material that sensationalizes, um, because, you know, we have to remember these were real people. The victims were real people. The perpetrators were real people. And even if the perpetrators are monsters, you know, they still have families, you know, some of these people have, you know, spouses, children, parents. Um, so, you know, I think, I think a little sensitivity, uh, can go a long way.
0: Yes, and I just want to say that I think that the the chapters, the pieces in this book, do a nice job of 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 noticing that right, and not going over the top and presenting um, information and things that people want to know about. Some of these, like, are these they're unsolved, right? They're crimes, they're mysteries. Some of them are still. Out there, there's still some of them are people are still looking for answers. So how do we get these stories out there? Maybe someone recognizes something, maybe someone gets information without making these all about this sort of sensationalization of this sort of true crime things that are often coming up especially. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. I mean, some of these stories might be pretty old, and and it may seem pretty far out to even think they'll ever be solved. But um, there's still enough of them in here that um, it is always possible they'll be solved. There's still people alive. um, uh, And, you know, it it could happen. So that was my my concern (laughs) when I was doing the book. I thought, oh, my God, what if I get these stories by the time the book is published? What if it's solved already? You know, it's always (laughs) the
0: biggest worry. <laughs> yes i love that some of these have this caveat that like as of like you know 2021 or 2022 this had, yeah you know i has got to throw that in there as of right I now actually, yeah i actually said you know kind of encouraged people like as of this food, it hasn't been solved You know, <laughs> well that's a question like um which is really interesting to like you know returning to some of those crimes those on un- this is one of those things where you could return to it and like 10 15 years and see what else is out there. What has happened from some of the you know, some of these stories might have different, um, different things to add to them. So,
1: well, yeah, and and, and with you know, with the uh, you know, forensics now, modern day forensics, things have been solved, even like you know, decades old cases, and you know, so <laughs> it's always a risk doing this, you know, unsolved
0: crimes book. You know, I'm seriously, I was on pins and needles <laughs> thinking,
1: oh man, you know. <laughs> (laughs)
0: Well, one of the other things I really loved um, was that because some of these were older, it was not only like, here's what happened, but there was some discussion. I think it was the, it might have been the Beverly Wood one that I'm thinking of right now, where they talked about how they got the fingerprints or how, you know, like how they had to have someone who looks at every single fingerprint so they can't just run it through a system. And so there is this bit of history, too, and how... um, of of looking at the work of the you know the looking at the work of the crime scene investigators and and how these kinds of things work and like you mentioned some that were just ignored but others who did the best they could with what they had and how that looks different even 20 30 years be previous right yeah i mean it's 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 amazing when you think about it compared to
1: contemporary forensic techniques that anything ever got solved in the past but um I, I you know because i mean imagine can just imagine looking at a a fingerprint an actual image of a fingerprint and having to find a match for that with your own eyes i i just i just can't even see how you could do that you'd be blind after a couple of fingerprints um, and in compared to now, it just seems like such a dawdle now that, you know, it's all in a system or you can run through computers. And um, but, you know, it, it just shows you, though, I mean, that, you know, good law enforcement and good detective work is, you know, whenever it was, whether it was 50 years ago, 100 years ago or five minutes ago, um, you know, that's <laughs> that's what it takes.
0: And so so you have this series, right? You have this, this is the sixth in the series. And so um, we've been talking about this series for a bit and sharing some of those stories. So I'm going to ask you, um, you have, uh, so what you're working on now, and I know you have a new book in this series coming out soon. So I'm hoping you can share a little bit about that. And if there's anything else that's going on that you want to kind of plug that you're working on, that would be great, too. Sure. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's trying to juggle
1: everything because like here we were planning to do this interview today and I'm already like trying to, um, you know, promote the next book and <laughs> <laughs> it's like keeping it all straight. But yeah, the, this uh, book seven is um called The Best New True Crime Stories, Crimes of Famous and Infamous Criminals. And that is actually coming out on Valentine's Day 2023. Um, I don't I think it's just coincidental that it's Valentine's Day. (laughs) But, um, so, um, that book is, um, kind of what it says on the tin, uh, famous and infamous criminals. We've got, um celebrity, uh, wrongdoers. We've got, uh, um, uh, you know, actors, uh, rock stars, uh, uh, business moguls, uh, Titans of industry, uh, it's just all over the place. Um, and, uh, I, I, I'm quite excited about it but you know when when it's a new book you know the next book's always the one you're the most excited about and then you move on to the next one it's like a band with their album you know it's the new album that they're excited about it and then the next one so um so th- so there's some really really interesting stuff in there uh, some some real uh there's some familiar cases to people um and some that won't be so familiar and again we travel the globe so I mean we've got um, um, you know, we've got American criminals uh canadian british australian uh so uh it's it's definitely a a interesting uh collection uh some of the writers are people who are, are have been in previous uh books of in the series uh i often do that you know sometimes people they they know what i want they know what i like um they deliver the goods so they get in they get in more than one book obviously so, as I said, that'll be out in uh, the middle of February uh, and uh, print an ebook um, and possibly an audiobook, you never know. And uh, other than that, uh, what am I working on? Um, I've got a couple of um irons in the fire uh with possibly some anthologies, and I really really, really am desperate to get back to working on my crime novel, which I have to keep shelving because so much stuff keeps <laughs> pushing on you know I have to, you know there's just like no time to actually write, so that's I'm kind of looking forward to a a cold winter
0: where I can just hide and 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 do some writing. Oh, completely understandable. Uh, thanks so much, so Miss, Mitzi Soretto, who is um, the author of the series, The Best New True Crime Stories. Uh, there are six and soon to be seven volumes that are coming out. And we just had a great discussion about unsolved crimes and mysteries. Mitzi, thanks for being with, here with me on New Books Network. Thanks for inviting me.